We are four weeks into our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, hope you're finding it helpful and um, some good things are happening. I would, I would just say, you know, we do expect kind of God's word to change people's lives here. Um, so, you know, as, as things happen, as, you, as we learn about the Holy Spirit and then as you take back what's being taught and just dig around in the Bible for yourselves and... Just, you know, let God work in your heart and in your life. Please do share stories. It's always encouraging to hear what, what God is doing. Um, uh, you know, even if, if I know, you know, sometimes there can be things you think might not sound that impressive, but actually for, for you, for what happened, it was a big deal. And that's, that's, we, we're a family. We want to share in that. All right. We want to be, we want to, we want to rejoice with you. So please just, just say, if, you, if there are things to share, please do, um, please do do that. We, we, we would love to hear all that's going on, um, all that God is doing. Okay. So, um, here's how we're working through this, uh, series on the Holy Spirit. Every week, we just, I'm just saying five things real quickly. Um, just at the start, about a minute on each, just that are really important to know about. What the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit, because in my experience, there's a lot of uh, different ideas out there about the Holy Spirit. So just trying to get some things really clear. Um, then we're looking at a certain passage in Scripture, the same passage uh, every week, and we're just pulling out a different element from it. It's a very short sentence, but a different bit every week, talking about the process of how we can come into uh, a more and more powerful experience of the Holy Spirit, how we can know um, the power of God at work in our lives. Um, now remember, power is a word some people can be scared of, it has, can have negative connotations, people can get all kinds of ideas. In the Bible, the word simply means the ability to do. So having the power of God in your life means that you have the ability to do things that you couldn't do before. And the ability to stop doing things that you couldn't stop doing before. Okay? Uh, it doesn't have to be explosive or dramatic, it sometimes is, but that's not the point. The point is, there's a God-given ability to be able to do things that naturally you couldn't. So it's a really positive thing. Um, so we'll be looking at that every week. And then finally, at the end of each sermon, the third part, we'll just be looking at um, a, different, a different thing that the Holy Spirit does, that the Bible teaches that he does in our lives when, when we know him and when, when we're being filled with him. So it's pretty, pretty clear, pretty straightforward. And we just trust that as we, um, as we uh, open up the Bible, that, that God will really help us. Just to say, our laptop decided to stop working yesterday. And it didn't dawn on me till this morning that that meant I couldn't sort out a PowerPoint. So forgive me, there's no, the scriptures won't come up on the screen. Um, I'll give you references and um, f- uh, just read them out just directly from here. But they won't. If you, have, if you haven't got a Bible with you, sorry. Um, just it's just the way it went this morning. It's one of those things. It's life. So let's pray, shall we? Father, I just thank you so much that. Uh, you are alive and at work, and even your word is living and active. And I do pray that as we just proclaim Jesus, uh, that there will just be uh, incredible life that comes, an activity on your part, right into our soul. I pray for penetrating words, Lord, not just for the sake of, not just, just, just to have an impact, but Lord, I know that one of the things we so love uh, about you, Lord, is that you, you get right to the heart of the matter and... We, we're so important that, that we do that. I pray keep us from trivialities and superficialities. Help us, Lord, to engage with you on a heart level. Please help us to do that, Lord, I pray. To really take you seriously. Um, not, thank you. Don't just, you're not into show and pretense, Lord. I pray that there would be a... That, that, that if anything is, comes through today, Lord, it's just a reality of your desire to work in our heart. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So five quick things uh, about the Holy Spirit, five need to knows. Uh, number one, the Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. You may have heard the Holy Spirit described as an impersonal force. Um, uh, the Bible sometimes uses impersonal images like fire, water and wind to describe the Holy Spirit. But actually, uh, upon deep study, it, it shows us those are just illustrations um, to describe, help describe what he does. But he is clearly a person. He, we read in the Bible that... Uh, for example, he can be grieved, he can be resisted, he can be honoured, he can be blasphemed, he can be lied to. He teaches, he speaks, he guides, he gives gifts according to his will. He is a person. He is the third person of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So please, when you're thinking about the Holy Spirit, don't think in impersonal terms. Don't, even if the image is to be filled or for, the, for, for him to be poured out, don't think of him as a liquid. <laughs> think about a, developing a relationship with God. That's it's really important. Secondly, the Holy Spirit brings the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son. He reveals, he, he makes known to us who God is. He makes known to us the Father and he makes known to us um, the Son. And so if we're going to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't want to be fixated with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want that. What he's been called to do is to reveal the, the love of the Father and the heart of the Father to us so we can know that we're really children of God, which we'll be focusing on today. And he comes to reveal the glory of Jesus Christ. So if we're secure in our Father and really excited about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is very happy about what's going on here. So it's really important that we understand that about the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, um, we, don't, we do not need to separate the gospel from the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, sometimes in some churches you get, what's the emphasis? Listen, the Bible teaches that because of all that Jesus has done through his descent in terms of leaving glory and being born as, a, as, a, as a, the word becoming flesh, becoming a human, and then all that he went through in his life and then descending to the depths in his death on the cross, that God has raised him from the dead. And through that, God is, the Father is saying, he's vindicating him. He is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. And he's exalted him up to the highest place. And so at that point then, once Jesus was exalted, once Jesus had gone up, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit down. So the Spirit comes down because of all the work that Jesus has done. Jesus has made a way for the Spirit. So the Gospel and the coming of the Spirit are totally linked together. Really important that we understand that. Um, falsely, without the fullness of the Spirit, we are in danger of becoming like a house with no one at home. The church that doesn't know and enjoy the activity of the Holy Spirit, among it, becomes like a house with no one at home. Not a very inviting prospect, not a very warm prospect, not a very personal prospect. It's just like a, it's just like a, a thing. Uh, and, and, and the Bible encourages us to long for more and more of the presence of, of the Spirit, that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Those kinds of things the Bible gives us, those kind of amazing, um, shocking um, things to go for, which means it's totally appropriate to be saying, Lord, we want to know you more. And we, we just want, the, we want more than anything else that whoever comes among us to know the presence of God. Yeah. If you think we're friendly, great. If you think we're genuine, great. We love all of that. But more than anything else, what's our heart's cry? Is that you say, I just felt the presence of God genuinely here. Um, it wasn't just people's best efforts. Um, that's really, that, that's not, that doesn't, it's, we don't find that idea particularly inspiring here. Um, you know, we just, it's God or, God or nothing, right? Yeah, God or nothing. So his presence is irreplaceable. Um, and then finally, although everything has been done for us in terms of God, God through Jesus making a way for us to become part of his family and be filled with the Spirit, all, of, all that God has bought for us does not automatically just fall into our laps, but we walk into it through faith. 
The Bible says it's the, through faith and patience we inherit the promises. So God promises us all these things in Christ. They're free gift. Grace, 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 grace. But we, we inherit, we come into the experience of these things through faith and patience. There's something totally in line with God's will about us saying, God, you've said this. Now I want to know this more in my life. I'm going to trust this is true. I'm going to get hold of this. I'm going to pull this into my heart and my mind. That is just working with God. That's a good thing. So grace doesn't equal passivity. Grace equals kind of enthusiastic activity because you know all that God has done and promised freely. Does that make sense? So these things are really important to remember before we go any further. Okay, now the scripture that we are looking at, moving on to phase two of the sermon from the book of Acts, chapter two, is where the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, he's preaching to thousands. Thousands have gathered because they've heard this noise. We're not sure if the noise they heard was the supernatural noise of the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit or whether it was, a, or whether it was the noise of these 120 or so disciples uh, crying out praise in languages they hadn't learned. Either way, the noise gathers his crowd of thousands and Peter stands to his feet and really just proclaims Jesus is Lord. Uh, proclaims that this Jesus who you crucified, God has exalted. He is the king. Um, and, and as he gets to the end of the sermon in Acts chapter 2, um, verse 37, we read this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What promise? So the last few weeks, we've looked at a few things from this um, this. Uh, advice if you like this exhortation that peter gives them when they say what shall we do he says number one repent and week one we looked at how we got to repent from trying to save ourselves and look to Jesus' work on the cross alone number two we looked at how we got to repent which means changing your mind changing your thinking so firstly changing our thinking from i can save myself to jesus alone can save me it's all about what he's done Secondly, it's changing my thinking in terms of um, trying to put in other things before Jesus, kind of holding on to dark things, what the Bible calls sins, and it's saying, I'm going to change my mind on that. This is getting me nowhere. It's just killing me. I want to, I want to turn away from that stuff, and I want to walk into the light. Last week we looked at, looked at this whole idea of baptism, that baptism in water um, was, is part of the uh, command in terms of becoming a disciple. This week I want to look at this idea of surrender. They say... What shall we do? They're cut to the heart and it causes them to say, what shall we do? And, and so they give Peter a blank sheet. They've been so impacted by this message that they say, do you know what? Whatever it takes. So they say, just tell us what, just tell us what to do. And Peter says, this, this and this. And then we're told 3,000 of them said, okay, I'm in. And then would have been baptized and experienced the spirit. So we'll look at this subject for a little while. I think this is one of those subjects which can cause some people to get a bit nervy. Um, let's just look at it. Let's just, it's not, it ought not to be as freaky as it sounds, uh, surrendering to the Lord. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a kind of a general attitude of yielding up control and saying, Lord, you know what, I, I'm genuinely yours. Um, we, we, we can tend to feel safe when we're in the driving seat. Yeah? And if you bad, any of you here bad passengers in a car? I'm a bad, my foot's going, you know, there's no pedals there, but my foot's going, so I'm thinking you should be on the brake now. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't, I'd much rather drive than be driven. Um, well, you know, the life 
we get kind of used to, I guess, on a natural level, that it's, it's kind of my life and I'm in the driver's seat. And the thing about coming to the Lord is that you, you, you give that right up. And you say, Joe, I'll go, I'll go in passenger seat. I'd like you to drive now. Which doesn't mean you just kind of sit there and do nothing. But it means that you say, Lord, you're in charge of the direction. You're in charge of the pace. You're in, I'm looking to you now. It's a very real thing. It's not just kind of spiritual airy-fairy. It's very, very real. You have to, you have to engage in, in serious conversation with him about that kind of thing and say, Lord, I'm giving, it, I'm giving you the steering wheel of my life. It's not about perfection. Surrender is not about, oh, suddenly you're perfect. No, but what it, it's an attitude of heart where you say, my life's not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. You're no longer your own. So you can't just decide, well, I'll do this now. Uh, well, hold on, you're not yours. You're his now. That's what the, the Bible's really clear on that. But th- that, there's, a, there's a lot of things that, that, can, that, 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 that can trigger inside. Let me explain how this works. When you first come to know Jesus, it happens in a quite a radical way because what you say is you say, Lord, up till this point I haven't been following you. Now I want to become a disciple. Now I want to live in grace, in your gift of eternal life. I don't want to live trying to do my own thing. So it's a very radical sense of now I'm yours. Okay? Then I would say that throughout the Christian life, it's just one of those things that you kind of, you know, it's just there. And it hasn't got to be dramatic every day, but it's just there. You know, there's, there's certain things you say, I don't get to do that. Because the Lord says, no. And it's, so it's like, yeah, we just leave it alone. Because I trust him. And he does give reasons in the Bible and all of that. But fundamentally, it's like, I trust you. And, and you say, you're my, you're my dad. It's okay. And that's just how we live the Christian life. If you, if you don't learn that, then you tend to find as a Christian that you're always kind of hitting walls. And you're always saying, I'm not growing. Because what it is, is you've not just said, okay, cool, I trust you. Yeah. So it's very, it's, it doesn't have to be dramatic. It's just one of those things. It's just there. And there's certain things you just learn that, you know, because, you know, you love him. And you know what he loves and what he hates. And you say, no, I want to walk with you now. You know, and the Bible says, two people don't walk together unless they're in agreement. You think, well, I want to walk with you, so I want to agree with you. They're not making sense. Okay, so this is this now. But I would say that there are definitely moments on the Christian life, and they may come may come once, it may come a few times, where suddenly you've got a very stark choice. Something comes that just goes, it grabs your attention, it it feeds into your desires. It's a big deal, and you have a choice. Uh, it's, it's one of those moments. It's a crunch moment. They do come. Uh, it, I would say that. In those moments, kind of, it, it, the, the, the cost, uh, the price is high. Just being honest. And I, I feel happy talking about this kind of thing. This, you know, I, I, I know what this is to experience. And so it's not an easy thing, but it does come. It's a bit like, you know, Abraham, when he's following the Lord for decades, isn't it? And then there's this moment where God says about Isaac, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And it's just that one of those moments you think, oh man, out of no, you know. The son that you love, you know, and, and there's this moment. It doesn't happen a hundred times, twenty times, ten times. It happens once. Okay? So don't get all freaked out. <laughs> God in his timing knows what and knows when. But it, there are these moments where God's just like, we've just got to clarify some stuff here. And maybe, who knows, I'm reading into the text, but maybe Isaac had such a treasured place in Abraham's heart. God just wanted to just work out who's number one here. Who knows? But there are those things that come. And... Um, when those, when those moments come, what, what, what you're faced with fundamentally, I'll keep it stark because it is stark. God is saying this, and you are, you, there's a very strong part of you that's saying, but I want this. 
So what, how, do we, <laughs> how do you make the right choice? Well, basically, you're, the choice you're faced with is either something wrong with God. You might not say that, but that's the process. If you, go, if you follow your way, right? there's something wrong with God. He's not wise enough, or he's not good enough, or kind enough, or generous enough, or whatever. Or there's something wrong with me. Right, so there's something wrong with him, or something wrong with me. As a believer, one of the fundamental foundations of coming to Christ is there's a lot wrong with me. Yeah? I, I, I need forgiveness. I, I, there are desires in me that are kind of dark, twisted, shameful, and all of that. That's just, that's just what it is. We all know. Those of us that are Christians, we know that. We've admitted that. We've confessed that. That's what we live in. We recognize the reality of that. And there are moments and seasons that come where you have to say, Lord, what's it going to be? And um, in those moments, I think what you can be tempted to do is begin to redefine things and start saying, well, I know the Bible says that that is sin or that is wrong, but do you know what? And you, we can try and redefine the whole thing so that we can still go our way but feel okay doing it. But the reality is this, is that it's just really, really painful to die to something that means a lot to you when God's saying it's wrong. It just hurts. It just really hurts. Okay? Uh, and the Christian life is by no means all pain, not at all. But there are moments, and I just think it's important, as I was preparing this today, just think it's really important that, I, I feel that for some, you are, a, it is a bit like that. And I'm just wanting to help you, so, uh, so please don't start redefining what God has said and making it fit. Embrace the pain. Okay? Why? You think, why? Well, it sounds masochistic. Why embrace the pain? I'll tell you why, because it's part of Jesus' pain. What you're doing through it, you are beginning to em- embrace the fellowship of his sufferings. He faced a cross for us, the unique cross, the one and only cross. But there is a, a cross that we all have to pick up. And every now and then it just bites. It bites in and you feel it. And at that moment, Jesus is calling you into intimacy. He's calling you into a deeper relationship with him. That's what he's doing. He's not, he's not being mean. He's not trying to mess things up. He really isn't. Okay? He is good. He is, and he's just trying to say, this is part of knowing me, knowing there is pain. And there are bits in us that it just hurts so much when they die. Could be like, I don't know, like an ungodly ambition. I think particularly around relationships, it's people really can face this. Particularly around relationships. Could be that you're just, I don't know, maybe you're in an unhappy marriage. And you're just like, I've had enough. (laughs) I've had enough. And God says, be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful. Sometimes it's as stark as that. Some couples have those kind of seasons. It's like, be faithful. That's what God says. Don't try and redefine what he says. It's what he says. It's painful right now. Okay, well, embrace the pain. Could be that you desire someone else who is married. It's strong. There's a connection. There's a chemistry. All of that. God says, don't commit adultery. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't destroy that. No. There's a pain in moving away. He's in the driving seat now. Could be that as a believer, you're strongly attracted to someone, doesn't have the same faith in Jesus and love for Jesus that you have. But everything else seems to be there in place. God says... Don't be unequally yoked, joined together like that with an unbeliever. Marry who you like in the Lord. That's what he says. But I know. Could be you're attracted to those of the same sex. 
You never ask to be, but you just are. God says, with a breaking heart, God says, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. That's what he says. There's a thousand and one other scenarios, but the reality is this. Anyone who's a disciple will face desires on the inside that God says, it's not happening. And what's so hard about it is that they're desires. (laughs) They're longings. But they ain't going to bear good fruit. And we have to face this because it, it gets to the heart of who do we trust. Do I trust my own feelings, inclinations, longings, or do I trust him? And I want to say that, you know, um, there have been moments of significant pain in all kinds of different areas where you just think, oh, okay, you know, sometimes it's just a thing comes out of the blue, you didn't see it, it's just a little, your heart goes, and then you, you see it for what it is, and you go, all right. <laughs> Other times it's protracted. These things that go on, you know? By God's grace, he's enabled me to trust him. And I, I do not regret one time that I've said, I'm choosing you, Lord. I'm not saying that as some sort of show-off or perfectionist. Believe me, if you know me, you know that's not me. I want to say that as a testimony to the goodness of God. That's why I'm saying it. It's a testimony to the goodness of God. He is good. He is good. Um, but his ways are very, very mysterious. There's an interesting story of someone who was thinking about becoming a Christian and they said to the person, who, the Christian friend they knew, they said, if I become a Christian, can I still wear jeans? And you know what the person said to them? I'm not sure. Why do you think they said that? Not because jeans are wrong, but because the person thought, well, if jeans will keep you from Jesus, then it's probably worth you having that battle inside to work out what you, are you going to surrender to Jesus? You see, it can be silly things. It can be embarrassing things that you think, you know, you wouldn't want to tell anyone. But for whatever reason, <laughs> but God's light. It's important that we, this is, uh, you know, there's, there's a reality to this. It's important. This is a reality. And the, 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 I mean, it's almost a sermon in itself. I know that. It's kind of a bit of a sledgehammer, I know. Um, I think it's right. I think, you know, please... You know, there's no attempt to make things heavy, but I think it's a part, it's a part of the walk. And I think the Holy Spirit, if, when we say, Lord, you know what? I'm going your way. The Spirit says, I'm going to empower you. Yeah, yeah? I'm going to. But the, as long as you're saying, do you know what? I don't. I, 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 at, least if, at least if you're torn, say, Lord, I'm really torn, but I really want to be in the place where I'm choosing you. Can you help me? Yeah? Because he sees the heart, doesn't he? And he's happy to get right into the thick of the wrestling, the tussling, and say, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to empower you. He really, really will. Um, but if actually there's part of your will where, you know, it's a, you know, it's a subtle, but you know what I'm talking about. It's part of your will that's saying, no, <laughs> I'm not going to, not that. I'm not going to give that to you. In that moment, it's not that God is being mean and won't give you a spirit. It's like you're, you're shutting the door. And Jesus says, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. If you open, I'll come and we'll feast together. Okay. And he gives us what we need. He does. Okay, we've got time to do the second bit. It's a bit of a gear change. I think it is linked because we're going to look at adoption. 
and, and trust in your father has a huge amount around it to do with being willing to say, I'm going to surrender and trust, I'm going to surrender. Because it's, 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 it's that trust, that security, isn't it? If, if you've got a bit of an orphan, we'll look at that in a minute, but if you've got a bit of an orphan spirit, a bit of an orphan mentality, then you, 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 tend, to like, you tend to just feel much safer by yourself. Yeah, because you, you don't trust. So let's let's look at this. This thing is linked. Let's look at this thing here. So adoption. The Bible speaks very clearly about it. I read you just a few scriptures. Some of them are very familiar, but it's important that we just make sure that you know that we're letting God's word speak here. We're not just making things up. So um, so in, in John chapter eight, Jesus says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever." What he's saying there is this: is that in a family, if you've got a slave or a servant or however you want to look at it, it's like there's a, there's not a, the same kind of permanence that the son would have. Okay, if you're a son in the house, you 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 remain forever. You know, in fact, like in the parable of the lost son, even if you go away, when you come back, you're still a son. You can't change it. Right. So there's something about sonship as a son of God which is about permanence. There's something deep at the heart of it which is you're in, and you can't just fall out. Isn't that great? I mean, I, yeah, I love that. You cannot just fall out. You can't be plucked out. You can't fall out. You're a son. And the son remains forever. Okay? Now, the way, the way the Apostle Paul describes what it's like to be a son of God, he uses this language in, in Romans 8, 15. He says, um, he says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. There's like a primitive elemental cry that comes from our heart that says, Abba, Father. Abba is the most intimate word for a father in that, in that culture. It's like similar to sort of Papa. Kind of, it's maybe similar to Daddy, although sometimes Daddy doesn't quite carry that same sort of respect. It's a mixture of intimacy and respect, but it's the most intimate term you can use. Abba, Father. When the Spirit comes on us, he, he witnesses with our spirit, with our inner man, our deepest point, you belong. You belong to God. You're in. Yeah, even if your head's oh, jumbled with all kinds of thoughts, there's an inner witness, an inner peace. You belong to God. Oh, okay. Paul puts it, he uses a very similar phrase in the book of Galatians here in chapter 4. He says, um, he says because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So if you have that cry from your heart, this is Abba, Father, that's because you're a son. It's God's way of uh, kind of putting a seal on it, saying you really are. That's a supernatural thing. Now it might be that you, it might be a loud shout. It may be just have a father, but it's that deep call into deep. It's that knowing. It's what the Spirit does. It's what He comes to do. It's so precious, so irreplaceable, so real. So you know, what, what would you want to trade? What could you trade that for? That I am his, that he is mine, that this God of the whole of creation, the God who stands astride of the whole of creation, however far it goes on for, he gives of his very spirit to me and uh, to let me know that I'm his and he loves me. Wow. It's just, who would have thought it? Who would have come up with that? It's so inventive, it's so creative, it's so beyond anything we could expect or, you know, that we would be sons of God. It's so, such a powerful thing. Now, I want us to just look at 
the, the, the sign, what, what does it look like to be living in the security of adoption and what does it look like to be living like a bit of an orphan as a, as a, uh, as a person? There's just a few, a few symptoms really. Now please don't be defensive. <laughs> um, there's definitely a couple on here as I've prepared and I thought, oh, that's me. Um, you know, bad ones, you know. So don't be defensive and don't repackage it. Just, if you see it, say, God, please help me with that, okay? Because his spirit wants to help us, amen? Right, so the first thing is, it's all called, uh, a sign of the spirit of uh, orphan is you've got spiritual jitters. You can't, you can't be in one place at one time. You're here, then you're there, then you're into this thing, then you're part of this church, then you're in that project, and it's like, what? What's going on there? It's spiritual jitters. Why, now, what, what, what is, why is that like an orphan? Here it is, you, you're kind of living with the, like a Christian FOMO. Yeah? Christian, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out, right? You're living, you're living with that. You heard about that, haven't you? Yeah, so, yeah. You've got Christian FOMO, and you're into this, and you're into that, and you're ducking there, and you're, you're over there. Listen, you do not trust your father's kindness, wisdom, and plan for your life. You're all over the place. I thought we had a plan. I thought every day of our life was written down in his book before one of them came to pass. I thought he's guiding me. I thought he's given his spirit to teach me. I th- you know... Come on, I can give myself to things because I'm at pieces, this is where I should be. And then when it's time to move on, he'll reveal it and we'll move on. It really can be as simple as that. I'm not saying that it's always easy in terms of guidance and stuff like that, but as long as you don't just start flitting out in panic because you're not really sure about your father's interest or wisdom or ability to be able to lead you, and as long as you just stick at it, then it comes good. So that's one sign, whereas if you, if you know that you're adopted, then there's just a sense of peace and serenity. You think, well, this is where I am, and I, actually, actually, I've got to be somewhere. I I'm, not, I'm not omnipresent. I've got to be in one place. This is where I am. I'm in the right place. It's not like I'm trying to pretend I can be in ten places at once. I can't. I'm one person. I'm going to invest, give myself, get the, let the roots go down so the fruit can come up, and it's cool. And I'm not going to let that... You see what I'm saying? So spiritual jitters, Christian FOMO, it's a sign of spirit of orphan. Not good. Um, second one is like acceptance versus rejection. Like The Bible says, Ephesians 1, 6, we've been accepted in the beloved. You're totally in. You are as in as you could ever be if you're in Christ. Because from the moment, the moment you come to Christ, God justifies you, which means God declares you righteous. Right? Which means the righteousness of Jesus is given to you as a gift. It's kind of imputed to your account as if you'd lived that kind of life. That's what, that's what God declares over you. Right? So it's like you can't be more in. You can't be more loved. So this, this is the spirit of adoption. Teacher, this is who I am. I'm accepted. And then what that, as that, as that really gets into my spirit, then actually I can begin even to walk out of a kind of a rejection mentality. But I just assume my starting point is I won't be accepted. Some people live with that. That's their starting point. They see a group of people talking. I won't go and talk to them. Why? I won't be welcome. That's a starting point. That's not normal. But I have that. So I'm willing to say it's not normal. Without making anyone feel bad. That's my default. They're talking. They will not want me to join that conversation. That's not even logical. You really assume every conversation you're seeing is about something really deep and personal that would be inappropriate for you to walk into, or it's about you. Oh, it's just crazy. But you see, it's like a default thing. 
is you let this acceptance, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, get into your soul, you can begin to walk out of that and take first steps and initiate conversations and say, hey guys, if I join in without feeling like climbing Mount Everest. You see what I'm saying? This is important. We, we've just faced it. It's like, hey, God, help me here. This is where I, I, I definitely, I'm not, not where I was, but, you know, it's still something I've got to keep an eye on that one. Um, here's one, security versus insecurity. So, will I be thrown out or am I in forever? You know, am I, what, this, this can have a massive impact because if, if you've got this, are you someone who looks to the future with trepidation? When you look to the future, do you smile instinctively or do you go, oh, heck, because if you go, oh heck, in that northern sort of accent, <laughs> you're definitely got, yeah. but it, do you know what I mean? If that's your default, ah, uh, spirit, spirit of orphan spirit. That's an orphan spirit. Because your father has promised to do you good Amen. all the days of your life. Not that life was going to be easy, but he has covenanted to do you good. And there may be pain, but he will never harm you. Never. He will never harm you. Right? So, so in a, a spirit of adoption, you look to the future and you smile. So, well, it's good, but the Bible says from one degree of glory to another. So it's, it's good. we're on a good trajectory here. You know, you get born again, you get brought into glory, and then it's more glory. All the way to full glory. Do you see this? This is not naivety, this is faith. Okay? This is faith in the word of God. And it impact, has an impact on everything. It's really important. Um... You know, my dad's got it in hand. He's got my life, he's got it in hand. He's got my future in his hands. Yeah? Wow. And that can help you to have a good rhythm in life. It can help you. You just calm down and you're not trying to constantly sort everything out. Um, here's one, independence. Massive, massive symptom of someone who's spirit, orphan spirits. I've got to do it myself. I've got to sort myself. I've got to sort everything out myself. Is this you? You've, your default is, I've got to, you know, and, and again, see, people may even admire you for this. Oh, they've got it together. See them go. And you can fuel it. You think, well, but actually, it's rooted in, at its heart, this sense of God's not going to do it. That's, that's really not good. But you, you feel safer. You don't like the thought of interdependence. That's what God, that's what God likes. Interdependence. Where we kind of learn to, oh, I can re- yeah, you can really help me. I can help you. We, ju- we help one another. We, in so many ways. Not just with skills and talents and gifts, but I'm just helped. I'm helped by being around different people. You know, just, I'm blessed by that. I'm enriched and enlarged by that. It's just like, oh, this is wonderful. And hopefully I, you know, I, who I am will do something back too. That's how God wants it. He doesn't want independence. He doesn't want dependence. That's another sign of the orphan thing, where you, instead of looking to God, you're looking to others. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like you, you, you've kind of, you, you've never grown up. You're like a dependent, and you, you've never grown. You've never, you've never come into a place where you too give. You just take and take, and, and it's like, oh, what is no, the spirit of adoption? When the Holy Spirit teaches this, you're able to give and take, give and receive, and you flow with the body of Christ. See, these things are really important for us. And um, so the key to this is knowing right in the middle of your being that he loves you. And so how does this happen? Well, here it is. We're going to end on, on this now. I want to just talk how this happens and we're going to respond. Romans 5 verse 5 says that God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. His love is poured into our hearts, into our center point through the Holy Spirit. That's what he comes to do. 
So there's this deep knowledge. I am loved. So loved. So outrageously loved. So treasured. Did you know that? I, you, we are so treasured by him. Now don't start looking at what, oh, what could it be? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's outside of you. It's because he just, he loves us because he loves us. He doesn't need us, but he loves us. And he treasures us enough to give his one and only son to die for us. He loves us. Uh, uh, and, and so what I want to do, do is just help us quickly. Just, uh, am I right for a few more minutes? Okay. I think sometimes we get it wrong when we say, oh, I know it in my mind, but I don't know it in my heart. Okay. I want to just, just sort of push, smash that one. Okay. I don't think it's helpful. I think it's a false dichotomy. Okay, uh, now let me ju- just follow me here. Okay, Romans 12:2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when my mind grasps some, really gets it in a spiritual sense, a transformation comes, which shows me that if I get it in my mind, actually that sounds like to me the same as getting it in my heart. It doesn't sound like, oh, I don't want that. I already want that transformation. So I think when we start saying, I'll get it in my mind, not my heart, that's maybe not such a helpful idea. Um, but we would all agree that there is some kind of dichotomy. You can know it and not know it. Agreed? We, I think we all get that. There is a sense in which you can kind of know it like a tickler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know it. Right? And, and, and we do, we want the second, yeah? Because the, the Bible, when it talks about uh, knowing, um, it's not... <laughs> so when it says that Adam knew Eve and she conceived, right? He didn't sit down with her and do a questionnaire with her, did he? <laughs> what's, the, what's your favourite colour? Oh, I've conceived, yeah? That was... No. Biblically, to know means to experience closely. Okay? There's a closeness, it's experiential. It's not just I know the facts, it's, ah, this is experiential. Okay? It's really important that we, that we understand uh, that. Um, so this is a Romans 5 knowing. It's like, when his love is poured into our hearts, I'm, I'm experiencing that he loves me. I'm experiencing that I am precious to him. I'm experiencing that he will never let me go. I'm experiencing he's got my past covered, my present covered, and my future covered. I'm experiencing that his thoughts about me are more than the sand on the seashore. I'm experiencing that he has dreams and visions and things to put into my life. I'm experiencing he's got a purpose for me. I'm experiencing he's put me together in my mother's womb, and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made as far as he's concerned. I'm experiencing this. This is really good. I'm sure we all want to grow uh, in this. But to say that one is the mind and one is the heart, that leads us down a dead end. let's, Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Colossians 3 talks about setting your mind on the things above. Set your mind on, because that's where you are. It's where you really are now, hidden in Christ. So to set your mind there, and what happens is, you see, is that as we, as we engage our mind really in gospel truth by the power of the Holy Spirit, our heart is impacted. This, right, so please, please help, please understand this. Christian, the, the, the true knowing the love of God as a Christian, the mind is not bypassed. So you're not just looking for experience, you know, where it's just, t- your mind is not bypassed, but your heart is fully engaged. And uh, this is, how, how do we grow in this? How do we, so I think therefore, two things I would say. Number one, surprise, surprise, there's lots of great truth in here. <laughs> Please dig around for it. 
please, like I said the other week, don't just, don't just rake it on the surface. You only get leaves. Dig and you get the gold. Okay? Spend time. I urge you, I plead with you. Spend time. You will find such a treasure trove there. You will be delighted in what you find. And you'll find yourself thrilled and overflowing. And you think, I don't know how to describe this. It's like my mind's full of truth. That my heart is gripped by what I'm reading. That's true Christian knowledge. It shouldn't surprise us that the Christian faith engages the whole man. Because God made the whole man. Okay? God isn't into bits and pieces. God made all that we, all, all that we are. And it's very good. So we must expect actually that God will want to speak to us in these powerful ways that grip the entire person so digging gives you the foundation okay you will find great gems okay so i'm happy to help you how do i dig i can help with that come talk to me i can give some maybe do a little video or something just to help you the other thing i want to say is this is that truth in song is potent if i had a really really good voice i would start singing to you now it, i'm not going to because it, it, it may go wrong and it would ruin the illustration <laughs> if i had a really really good voice i'd start singing and what and the reason i would do that now is to to demonstrate to show you how as soon as i start doing that you'll start hearing me differently instantly you will begin hearing me differently you'll begin hearing me in a way that is just oh i'm being affected impacted in a way even poetry you move from prose to poetry something happens yeah it awakens something of you where you are I, I'm, I'm being touched so to have gospel truth in song is hugely, hugely powerful. And I want to encourage us to be singers. Not just when we gather, but to take gospel songs and spend time singing to the Lord. I tell you what, you're going to be honouring him, but what you're going to be doing is so filling your mind and your heart with gospel truth that you watch what God does. You watch what God does. He will just completely, uh, it's an investment that you will not regret. It's an investment that you really, really will not regret. So one final question, then we're done. Why is it so hard to grasp the love of God? I've asked God this. <laughs> I said, you know what, Lord? It seems like it's really easy to kind of be bombarded with all kinds of stuff. And why can't you kind of over-bombard? Do you know what I mean? Like, just avalanche all of that nonsense out of the way. And to, you know what I'm saying? Like, God, why don't you do that? And um, the reality is, I don't know all the answers by any means, but as I've sort of thought about it, the reality is, is that there, there, is, there, is, there is the reality of spiritual warfare. Um, there are powers at work against you to stop you grasping the love of God. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians 3 for power to grasp the love of God. Because there are powers at work to stop you. Unseen powers. I'm almost freaking people out, but you know what, you know what I'm saying? You know, kind of the, the, the devil is real and is at work to try and undermine everything that God says and does. So that's reality. Secondly, we are in an environment in the world that is not neutral. But you're constantly being lured by things that, you know, it's just a lot easier, isn't it? You could just uh, click of a button and you're getting all your pleasure senses, you know, ticked. It's easy, it's easy. Wait, wait on the Lord or click the button. What's the flesh going to choose? Do you see what I'm saying? There's, it, there's just, it's just, it's, it's all there dangling. <laughs> and then there's just the reality of the flesh, which we live with until we are fully physically redeemed when Jesus returns. We live with the fact that there's part of us that just does, doesn't want to follow the Lord and really wants to do my own thing. Right, so, so, so actually, that's why it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's as easy as it might be. But I do absolutely believe that God has laid the table for us. And God says, if you come... You will eat richly.
But coming means leaving certain other things and saying, this is, this is where I'm feasting. This, and I'll just ask you where you're feasting. Where you're feasting. What's getting your, what's getting your attention, your heart, your, your eyes, what's, what's getting it? And, uh, because God has laid us a feast. So why don't we stand to our feet? I'm just going to pray for us and ask for the Spirit to help us. Let's just open our hearts to God. Please, if you, if you want to move into a gap, move into a gap, it's fine. Um, let's just open our hearts to the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just, those of you that aren't yet Christians, you know, you, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you know, well, I just urge you, you know, to consider all that you've heard and Jesus' invitation to come and feast with you if you open the door of your heart. Um, there's a, obviously a big decision for you to make today. just want to urge you to, to follow him and do that. And um, you can, that's something you do in your heart and with your lips. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he'll hear that, take that really seriously. He'll give you a brand new heart. You'll start, new life will start inside. You'll know God's done a miracle. For those of us here that know the Lord, I just want to just say, let's just, let's just open our hearts to him. There's been a lot said today. I'm aware of that. A lot said, a lot said, and I'm, I'm sorry I went on a bit longer than planned, but, you know, Lord, do help us, Lord, I pray. We, uh, you know, we're all so aware of our frailty, but I thank you that you I thank you for the everlasting arms, this grace underneath us. I thank you, Lord, no one can snatch us out of your family. I thank you all that you do, even the warnings is for good, it's, you love us. Thank you, you love us. Oh, God. Wow, what love, what strong, faithful love, what zealous love, what amazing love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Maybe we could just play for a minute, Dave. Is that all right? Just, again, I'm not trying to create some sort of atmosphere, but just just, just open, help us just to open our heart to the Lord. Let's just let the Lord soften our hearts. If you've got a bit hard or you've got a bit calcified, you know how it is. Just let the Lord, um, just let the Lord soften. Lord, just help us, I pray. We, we want to... We, Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would pour your love into our hearts. I pray for that, Lord. That we would just know it. Thank you for this experiential knowing, this deep, rich knowing. Wow, we can know the love of God, the love that surpasses knowledge. I pray for that, Lord God. Fill our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts, fill our hearts. Fill our hearts. Fill our hearts. Pour down on us. Pour down on us, precious Holy Spirit, the love of God, I pray. Come and bring, come and mediate that love of God into our hearts, I pray. Help us. This, I just as we're, stand, as we're doing this, I know for some there's so much pain. It can be hard to open your heart when there's a lot of pain. And I don't know what to say to that other than I don't know how you feel. And, you know, God's, God does help if you just let him. Just let him. Trust him. Just trust him. Let's trust him. Trust you, Lord. Trust you, Lord. We trust you. Tell him you trust him. If you're struggling to say, Lord, I struggle to, but I really want to. He'll, he can work with that. He can work with that. He's so good. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your patience, your kindness. The way you don't deal with us as our sins deserve, Lord, but you come to us with such warmth and humility. We welcome you, Lord. 
We welcome you, Lord. We really do love and welcome you. Come and touch our hearts, I pray, Lord. Come and touch our hearts, Lord. I pray cleanse us of skepticism and cynicism and, you know, where we just get hard. Cleanse us from all of that. I pray, Lord, just warm us up to you again. Warm us up to you again. Warm us up. Lord, some of us have got huge questions. Some of you, you've got questions. They are like, not just elephants in the room. It's the elephant that fills the room, right? It's huge, okay? I want to just ask that you would dare with that to just come to him still. Say, Lord, you know about this thing. It's just sitting there. It's huge. Uh, But I want to know you. I want to know you. No elephant is too big for the Lord. Lord God. Increasingly struck that, you know, we don't... He's looking for our response in this, and he will he will respond to our response. There's an interaction here. There's an interaction here. So, Lord, we we honour you. We honour you. We draw near to you. I trust you. We trust you. Some of you just I'm, I'm getting out of the driver's seat. Some of you need to just tell him freshly, or jump back in, or incrementally made my way back in. I'm getting out again. Lord, be in charge. Be in charge. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So the desire for you would be stirred again, I pray. So the longing for the Lord, we would know it. That the, the well would be unblocked and we would long for the Lord again. I pray for that. Pray for, for some. We really need this right now, don't we? Lord, unblock the wells. Unblock the well. We remove, we remove litter and rocks and stones. We remove nonsense and pride and bad attitudes and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. And where we've allowed, Lord, the fact that we don't understand something to become the biggest thing, we remove it, pull it out. We pull it out. Let your spirit flow, Lord, in and through our lives, I pray. Lord God, let your spirit flow in and through our lives, I pray. Let your spirit flow. Thank you, Lord. I put myself in your hands again. 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 Dare to trust. Dare to trust. Dare to trust. I will not lean on my own understanding, but I will trust in the Lord of my whole heart. I will not make assessments out of what I see at the moment. My little blind spots, my tiny things, my prejudices, my pride. And out of that, decide that the Lord isn't trustworthy. No. No, 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 no. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to mean it. Not just Sunday, but Monday. Tuesday, right through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 